0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Today, we have some roster construction and deconstruction and reconstruction to talk about here on Locked on Flames. You're Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmasto, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zoraris. Nick, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. It just started raining in the last 10 minutes, so I'm a little bit less concerned about it being 64 degrees in February, but still, still a little concerned. But other than that, having a good Thursday so far.
0: Yeah, you know, it was like 45 here, and then I just got a notification saying that, uh, supposed to get like a quarter of an inch of ice so i'm like oh it's fine it's it's fine we're, we're right where we should be in our uh fake spring uh calendar but yes you texted me something pretty interesting that i thought was um very good to go over today because i saw a tweet uh from flames nation talking about how Basically, the goaltending has cost the Flames 8 to 12 points, and right now we're going to talk about their record in one-goal games because, you know, (laughs) every goal matters. Every save matters when it comes down to it.
1: Yeah, uh, most teams are pretty content to be in those one goal game situations. That means you have a good chance of determining the outcome on your own.
0: You don't need anything
1: else to go your way. You just need to find that extra goal in a tie game or if you're down a goal late, you only need to get one to get to overtime. You get that loser point. That's not a bad outcome for your team. Most teams are are pretty content to be in that situation with about 10 minutes to go in a game. The way the flames are constructed is to be in those types of games. And it's mm-hmm. something we'll talk about a lot, especially in the second part of the segment. Cause in the second part, I want to talk more about like, is this a viable way to approach building a team? Mm-hmm. But the way the flames are set up is based on volume. They want to get a lot of chances on net. They don't have any true superstar players who are going to be able to break the game on their own, which means it's going to be a team effort, a depth effort, and it's why they've constructed a roster that's centered around having one of the best top nines in the entire league as opposed to having two or three superb guys in your top six and then filling out the bottom with something similar to like what you might see Toronto do or what Vegas do, where it's a lot of just replacement level guys who are just trying to tread water and not get caved in. The Flames actively are hoping that bottom half of their lineup, especially that third line, can be a difference in most games for them.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think that that's a very unique approach to take because we do see teams like Colorado who are deep. You know, at one point last year, they were pretty much missing bits and pieces of their top six, but they were still such an incredibly hard team to beat. And they have that depth, they have that ability where it's kind of like, okay, like this guy's out, it's no big deal, like just make some minor adjustments. But then it also helps in the postseason as well because you can count on your secondary scoring and it doesn't really look like secondary scoring. And I think that's one of the problems that ugh, runs into this, that the flames run into with this, because you know, you can only count on that top line so much with any team. But, you know, the other night against, um, who was it? It, it, Ottawa? Yes, thank you. It was, um, you know, two-thirds of their top line had goals. That's great. But where's the rest of it?
1: Yeah, and that's part of this, is the Flames built their roster with a specific way of playing in mind. More Mm -hmm. often than not, they feel like they're going to be in most of their games. They needed slightly above average goaltending, which they got last year. And the assumption was, even if Markstrom wasn't a Vesna caliber goalie again, he would be top 10-ish. He'd be 11th, 12th, as opposed to what he is this year, where he's been one of the five worst starters in the league. And it happens. That's the way goaltending works. It's fickle. Sure, the defense isn't as good as it was last year, Mm -hmm. but offensively, they're still generating a decent amount of offense. It's just they're not converting as many chances. Cause they don't have as high end of finishing as they did last year. When I, you think about it, I mean, I wrote it down. They're 12, 9, and 11 in one goal games, 14, 11, and 11 in one goal games, not counting empty net goals. So, in games where you would take away the empty nets, they're 14, mm-hmm. 11, and 11. So, they're getting points in a decent chunk of these games at about 560. That's still not good enough. Typically speaking, you need a points percentage of about 600. If you want to be a playoff team, about 600, that puts you in the neighborhood of 95 points, which is generally the floor to be a playoff team in the NHL. Some years it can be a little bit lower than that. Some years it can be a little bit higher than that. But with the way the West is right now, with the way the Pacific Division especially is, 95-ish points should get you in the door. But the Flames are below that number right now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, this is one of the more frustrating parts of it. You came into this season knowing that there was turnover, but you had hopes of your goaltending kind of holding you over and standing strong, you know, to kind of make up for those lost points and lost goals. And it's unfortunate that that hasn't been happening. And, you know, I think that the offense may not be the true problem here. Like, yeah, you need you do need some quality shots, but I think Tyler Toffoli is one of like the top three players in the league for most shots taken. Now that's not yeah. quality shots; it's just a number of shots, and that's okay too. But at the same time, you can't just rely on a high volume, you need to really focus on that quality.
1: Especially when the power play hasn't been nearly as good as it was last year and the kill hasn't been as good as it was last year. The kill's still good, but it's not top five like it was last year. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. Like we've been talking about all season, the goaltending's been the story for the Flames. The last week or so, you've really seen that focus, especially from the drop-in people who cover hockey nationally or who are trying to diagnose who's going to make the playoffs and who's not. Mm-hmm. I've read at least a handful, I'd say at least three or four pieces of a arguing, okay, I think it's time the Flames go to Vladar full time down the stretch here and see if he if he can't get it okay but you kind of know markstrom is in his own head at this point and it's not really going to be a night to night it's a night to night thing with markstrom where he might have a nice game but he hasn't won consecutive games since mid-december he is not markstrom hasn't won consecutive starts since mid-december and it's been a while now i mean we're almost all the way through february now and the flames need to start rattling off victories so it's one of those things where can you go outside of your comfort zone and trust go into the unknown and say we don't know if lidar can do this but we have seen Markstrom hasn't been able to do this you might be better off trying and experimenting and that's something we're going to talk about in the third segment of the show an experiment a spitball I've seen a few people suggest that might be worth it to try and ignite this team because most nights it's been kind of a malaise it's been kind of meh most <laughs> nights and they need something they need a jolt to find that gear we've been waiting for them to find all year
0: Yeah, and I think that that's fair, you know, we talked all, you know, really pretty much leading up to this point in the season how the team doesn't have that urge to fight for their spot at training camp. And that's kind of you just know where you're going. And I think that, you know, even though it's a little late in the season to do this, maybe, maybe we do jumpstart something here. But Uh, Before we move on here and talk about the wonderful quality versus quantity, uh, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and it is the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time for new customers to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So all you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. Then you can just bet on everything from money line to point scored and threes drained. Nick is our NBA specialist when it comes to bets. And do you have anything cooking?
1: I gotta look. Usually this is, it's what, like 4.30? Usually about 6 yeah. o'clock someone goes in the group chat and says, anyone have anything they like tonight? And then we all have conjecture. I mean, we're all stupid Nick fans and we all love... At betting on our own guys to disappoint us—we all love betting on Jalen Brunson points. We all love betting on Julius Randle made threes. We love, we love throwing our money away on the Knicks. It, it, it's, it, it's an, it, it, betting on your own team is never a good idea, but we still insist on doing it.
0: Well, you heard it first. Nick is not the person to go to if you not want for to bet on the Knicks.
1: Not for <laughs> so. basketball.
0: So, don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to slash locked on. That's slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us here on Locked On Flames. As always, you can find the show at uh, LO underscore flames pod on Twitter. Or you can follow us at Jess Belmasto and Nick Zeraris. So what, when I look at these notes, how do you, I can't interpret it the way that you mean it for like your idea. So I will let you take this.
1: Okay, so the Flames last year were still a volume-shooting team. They were one of the best shot-rate teams in the league. They were top five in terms of scoring chances for per 60 minutes of ice time all season. They created a ton of volume. But they also had better finishers last year, having Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau. Those are two guys who shoot over 10%. That's going to mean even though you're taking a lot more lower quality shots, because those guys are more skilled shooters, they're going Mm -hmm. to be able to make lower quality shots. Now, without those two guys, the Flames have fully dove into that end of the pool of volume over quality, kind of similar to what the Hurricanes do, where the Hurricanes offense is centered around getting the puck down low, Mm-hmm. Rebounds, deflections, point shots. The ugly type of offense that it doesn't lend itself to star players because star players don't want to go down low. They don't want to bang for the puck in the corner. They don't want to get into those physical situations because they're high-end players. They can skate around those lower-end players who are going to be clogging up space and be able to make more explosive, more dynamic, more high-end plays. The Flames' entire roster is centered around this. The Flames want to play relatively low-event hockey. They play their defense and up in the neutral zone, so teams have to chip around, chip past them and go around them and go retrieve pucks down low and have to go the full length of the ice to set up for offense. The Flames' entire system is predicated on keeping things simple, outchancing the other team. And a lot of this is reliant on making your goalie's life simpler. That's the what the Flames are trying to do here. They still generate a decent amount of offense. It's not as quality. There's not as much quality as there was last year, like we said before. They're not scoring as much on the power play as they did last year. That's also tied to the quality versus quantity problem. But at the same time, you would expect a team with these types of metrics who are can comfortably top five. I mean, they're second in scoring chances, tenth in goals for, fourth in expected goals for. 14th in high danger chances for their 22nd in shooting. Okay. That speaks to volume over quality, but, At the same time, you would expect a goalie who's not facing that much work to do better. You would typically say the smaller your workload, the better you're going to be. But that hasn't been the case for the Flames. And that's tied to what we talked about in the first part here, where Mm -hmm. because they're they're in all of these one-score games and they rely on a depth approach as opposed to high-end talent, it's a lot harder for those depth guys to swing a game. Most teams are pretty content if they get it to a 50-50. If most games are a coin flip in that last 10 minutes of a game, most teams are pretty content with that. How do you win those coin toss games where only one, two, three plays decide the game? your high-end players are going to swing the game for you in those types of situations. When you don't have a top 10 player in the entire league and you're reliant on all four of your lines to be able to contribute, it's a lot harder when there's fewer situations for them to make make a difference. Over the course of an entire game, an entire season, etc., okay, that's great. But in a five, ten-minute stretch, if you really need a goal to swing the game to go your way to win those one-goal games – the Flames don't really have that guy. They have a lot of really good players. Elias Lindholm is going to flirt with a 90-point season this year. Really good. Kadri's going to probably be in the high 70s mid 80s. Huberdeau probably in the 60s, maybe 70 if he gets hot here down the stretch. But nobody on nobody in that 100-point category. Like there there's only a handful of guys, granted. There's only about 10-15 guys in the whole league who are going to sniff 100 points this year. But when you don't have one of those guys, And you're in all of these low scoring or all of these one goal games. It's really hard for your depth guys to make that difference because they they don't have the ability to make a dynamic play in a way that a high end player would. And that's a part of this team build is they said, okay, we don't have as much high end depth talent. So we need as much depth as we can possibly have on this team that over the course of a game, we're going to be able to wear you out. And we want our goalie's life to be as simple as possible. And largely they've done that. Jacob Markstrom would tell you himself, he hasn't been very good. He's said it more than once this year. He himself has said more than once this year, I have not been that good. And you can't account for that in your team build. You can account for some guys regressing, but you can't account for your starting goalie who was a Vezina finalist to not be, you know, an NHL quality starter. I mean, Marstrom's under a 900 save percentage this year. You can't bank on somebody. You, you can't account for that. You have to have some margin for error in how you construct your team based on injuries, regression, just bad luck. But going from a 9, like 17 to an 895. There's no way to overcome that. There just isn't in your team build. In a salary cap sport, you just can't make up that much of a difference.
0: No, absolutely. And I've seen a lot of interesting questions kind of floating around about Markstrom in terms of, you know, do you shut him down for the rest of the season? And what are the logistics behind that? Because I feel like, number one, a goaltender is not going to willingly be, you know, Shut down. Jacob Markstrom is not going to go down without a fight. And how do you, how can you guarantee that this is, you know, what he needs? I mean,
1: realistically, you don't. Goaltender is the most volatile position in the sport. You could say, logistically... All they need to do is call up Dustin Wolf. They can put Jacob Markstrom on injured long-term injured reserve, say he's sitting out with whatever, and Dustin Wolf's going to be on ELC. They have the cap space to pay him. They don't even need to put Markstrom on uh, on IR. They could just carry three goalies because they have the cap space, and they could have Dustin Wolf and Vladar as the two, and Markstrom just sits. Uh, The only thing you can do is wait. I mean, realistically, there is no way to guarantee to get a player to play better again. There just isn't. Some guys just need to sit for a while. The yips happen. It happens to goaltenders. It happens to catchers. This is the thing in sports. Sometimes guys get in their own head. They overthink everything, and it becomes a challenge for them to do simple things. I mean, there was a catcher in the Mets organization who couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. He would always throw it over the pitcher's head. He would short arm it and bounce it, and runners would just run around the bases while the ball was rolling back. Chuck Knobloch, when he was on the Yankees, would forgot how to throw the first base, and they had to move him from second base to left field. It happens. The yips are a part of sports. It's just very rare that it happens. But at the same time, you know, Markstrom is capable of being a decent NHL goalie, but there's no guaranteed way to, you know, there's no guaranteed way. There is no, we know this is going to work. There isn't a way to know if it's going to work or not. So to answer your question, there isn't really an answer to your question.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think people are being dramatic in terms of, taking uh the buyout route i think that that's just not something that needs to be uh discussed i don't think one bad year uh for markstrom on a 6.25 million dollar contract is necessarily something that you know gms are running to the buyout window in july for. but um you know i think it's just obviously something to keep an eye on i don't foresee a world where uh, he is playing much more this season. And I also don't see a world where he is bought out. I think Jacob Markstrom is going to play in the NHL until his every extremity has fallen off. And coming up next, we are going to talk about uh, an idea of how we can jumpstart Jacob Markstrom and kind of get this whole team going again. And that is, of course, with our little man, the myth, the legend. Well, he's not really a little guy; he's like six feet, like six inches. But
1: that's little for a goalie. Dustin yeah. Wolf is short for a goalie. For, Dustin <laughs> Wolf is short for a goalie. Yeah, he's like six yeah. foot flat, which is short for a goalie.
0: That yeah, that is fair. So we're gonna talk about Dustin Wolf coming up next on Lockdown Flames. And remember to subscribe to Locked On Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And we are free on YouTube as well at Locked On Flames. There's been a lot of discourse surrounding Dustin Wolf. And this kind of goes back to even when that Markstrom contract was signed. I think a lot of people were, you know, saying, like, okay, like Markstrom can be like a good goaltender, but is he going to, you know, is it going to be detrimental to Dustin Wolf's development and coming up in the Flames organization? And at the start, you know, I was in denial. I was in denial, 100%. No, it's fine. Like, it, you know, the Flames will, you know, just ride out their backup goaltender, uh, whoever will be in their contract, and then Dustin Wolf will come up, learn from the great that is Jacob Markstrom, and then we'll send him off into the sunset and Dustin Wolf comes up as that starting goaltender. But I don't I don't think that's the reality of this situation anymore. It's weird. Goalies
1: take the longest of any position mm-hmm. in hockey to develop. Typically you like them to have 200-ish games at the developmental level, whether they're playing in Europe in one of the professional leagues over there or the AHL. Dustin Wolf's only got 83 games in the AHL so far. He's still relatively early in his development. Goalies don't typically get to the NHL until about 24, 25 years old because teams typically like them to hit that 200 game benchmark to really have an understanding. But that's not to say I don't think Dustin Wolf could make a difference. That's that's the real point of this is that right. the Flames have kind of been in this malaise all season where they've just kind of been waiting for something good to happen as opposed to making something good happen. And there's no better way to kickstart a team of old guys than to bring in a, a plucky, weird younger guy. Oh. To Be like, hey, we're going to rally around this guy because we need to, because we need to make the playoffs. Right now, they're tied for that last playoff spot with the Wild, but the Wild have more games in hand to play. So they technically would be technically they're tied but the wild have more games and more opportunity for more points so nothing written in stone yet and for a team that has a need in net i've read more than one column advocating for vladar to take the bulk of the starts down the stretch here to try and get them into the playoffs there's an argument for dustin wolf he's been great in the ahl for two solid years now he's been one of the best goaltenders in that league the argument against it and it's a reasonable one is if he comes up and he gets his doors blown off you shatter his confidence and you gotta send him back down, and it restarts this cycle. It's the same exact thing with Markstrom, where there is no guaranteed way to fix him. It's great that Dustin Wolf's dominating at the AHL level, but it's no indicator of guaranteed NHL success. It takes a while. I mean, all of the greats typically play a handful of seasons at that developmental level. The only goaltender who's in the league right now that comes to mind who didn't have extended time in the minors or in a men's professional league in Europe is Carter Hart. And Carter Hart it, it had to wear it two years ago he was yeah, yeah. really good as a rookie that year they went into the bubble he was really good in the playoffs they beat the penguins that year in the playoffs that was really good mm-hmm. he got it he had a really tough time in that 56 game season behind the really a really bad flyers team and this year he's been better but he hasn't really gotten to that point where he was that first rookie season and part of that's confidence part of that is that the flyers are a dumpster fire but it's complicated. You, it, it's a real gamble on multiple fronts of, well, what does that do to the team's relationship with Jacob Markstrom if you're just freezing him out entirely as opposed to, you know, giving him a week or two of just, you know, one start a week for two weeks and then say, okay, last chance before we have a month to go in the season yeah. – if you can't get it going, we got to go with Ladar because we have to make the playoffs. It's really complicated. There is no right answer here, but I do think it's something worth considering here, considering how much the Flames need a real answer in net. I mean, there's no excuse for a team that has this good of results at five on five. And yeah, some of that is just, you know, some of it is skewed because they shoot so much volume. But the goaltenders are not being asked to do a ton. Yeah, they concede a little bit on the high danger end of things, especially that third pair because Zadorov is inclined to be a little bit more aggressive offensively, which makes them liable defensively going back the other way. But at the same time, you need a little bit more from your goaltenders. And if you miss the playoffs by you know a handful of points because you didn't get good goaltending and you have someone you think is a capable NHL starter – just waiting in the AHL for an opportunity, you're going to kick yourself over that. That's one of those things where if you, it's one thing to miss and you did everything you could. If you left something on the table, you left a possibility out of the mix because you didn't want to take a risk. That's a little less hard to defend.
0: Yeah. And I, I really don't think that this team is in a position where they should miss the playoffs. Like realistically, when you look at this team on paper, this is a good team, yeah. but again, it doesn't always translate to what's on the ice. And there, there is still plenty on the table for this team to, you know, make up for in the last two and a half months of the season. And I don't see, I don't see the problem with you know, not freezing out Jacob Markstrom. I think that, you know, he underst- he would understand, um, But I I really don't think that this could have come at a better time because he could go on paternity leave or something because the babies do any day now. So, you know, I think it could just kind of be uh, in the flame's best interest to kind of like, hey, well, wouldn't that be something if Dustin Wolf just got called up? But at the same time, like we talked about earlier, no one on this team fights for their job and I'm not saying a goaltender should have to fight for their job, but like with the AHL players that are invited to camp, they they don't fight for, for it because they already know that they're getting sent back down because yeah. the, that fourth line has already been um deemed the veteran line. You have Trevor Lewis, you have uh Milan Lucic and you know, maybe Brett Ritchie, but whoever it may be, and you don't have a true chance. So if you're feeling like, like, you're not going to put your best effort forward if you're not, if you realistically know you're not going to have a chance regardless. So why make your, like, why work harder when you can just work smarter? But I really feel like it would be in the flame's best interest, at least... In in a week or two, maybe after the deadline, I don't know, to maybe call up Dustin Wolf and get just salvage as many points as you can at this point. Like, there's no reason to keep leaving them on the table, to leave them on the table against Ottawa, against the Red Wings. Like, you, those two points, they matter. So take them.
1: So, looking at their schedule coming up, they've got Detroit today. They've got the Rangers Saturday, Philly, Arizona. You got to get four out. Of, you got to get four out of those. Yeah. Vegas, Colorado. That's tough. Vegas, Colorado, Boston, Toronto. That's a tough four. Yeah. Then you got Minnesota. Who you need to beat? You need to beat Minnesota head to head next Saturday because they're your direct competition. Yeah. And then, and then Dallas, and then Minnesota again. So you're talking about a real crucial stretch of the schedule here. And, yeah, there are some cupcakes in here. You get Anaheim again. You get Ottawa again. You get Arizona again. You get the you get Anaheim again. You get San Jose. You get the Kings. You get Vancouver two more, three more times. You get San Jose another time. There are plenty of winnable games left on the schedule where even if they struggle against Boston and Toronto and the good teams – if they don't make the playoffs, that's just not a good look. There is more than enough talent on this team, and you got to find a way to get the group going. And maybe it is as simple as Markstrom takes a week on paternity leave. They get mm-hmm. Dustin Wolf one NHL start just to see where he's at. And I wouldn't be opposed to even that, even if it's just a yeah. moonlighting audition of a we we want to get him one start just to see if he's if if he's comfortable or not, if he's yeah. ready or not, and you go from there there are there are thing there are still there are still experiments trial and error processes the flames can do here over the next month or so to enhance their chances cuz yeah. realistically you saw Nashville's GM say they don't think they're going to make any moves st. louis already sold it's just you in minnesota yeah the flames are more talented than minnesota i i feel pretty comfortable in saying that you got to do better than them and the yeah. minnesota's goaltending situation has been very fluid this year in the same way calgary's has kind of been a mess you got to find a way you got to figure it out and bringing up the bringing up a new goalie from the AHL who's dominated at the AHL level for two seasons now it might not be the answer but it's worth a shot
0: yeah you know you can't successfully rule everything out until you have tried every exactly. single possible opportunity and variable and I think this is one of those situations that someone just needs to swallow their pride and just do it for the vested interest of this Flames team if you want to make the playoffs if you don't want to be an even bigger laughing point because people are already laughing at you because uh Kachuk didn't want to resign here they laughed at you because Gaudreau left and took a lot less money and people already know they have their established feelings about Daryl Sutter as a coach. And if you miss the playoffs with the roster and the money that you spent, and even though the extensions for Huberto and Uyghur haven't kicked in, that is a lot of money. That is a lot of money that you went out and spent. And if they're not even going to play well, what's the point? So, you know, just, Do something for the sake of this team and, you know, save a little face here. But, you know, I feel like the Calgary Flames uh, experience this year has not been a fun one compared to last year in the slightest.
1: I've had the Michael Irvin, nobody believes in you. What are you prepared to do about it in my head since you started talking there? And I'm just picturing yelling that in Daryl Sutter's face. Daryl Sutter, what are you prepared to do about it? Nobody believes in you. They're making fun of you. You're going to let the Ottawa Senators come in your house, eat your meal? What are you prepared to do about it?
0: No, but it's serious. Like, someone needs to do that because I don't (laughs) think anyone on this team is – like I don't think that they're aware of the situation and you know that's kind of part of the thing of being a fan is that we're so hyper aware of it but it's also their job to be aware of it because you have a lot riding on uh not just the regular season but the postseason as well so it'll definitely be interesting as we move forward I feel like we've been saying that all year but it's just We've been looking for them to turn a corner, and I don't think that corner is anywhere in sight. It's like they keep moving the goalpost, and it's never happening. But thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today. Nick, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up?
1: Please beat the Red Wings tonight.
0: If you're not dropping that puck until 9 p.m. Eastern time and you lose to the Red Wings... I will fly out to Calgary myself and give a nice little speech. But you can hang out with us on uh, YouTube at Locked On Flames, and you can hang out with us wherever you get your podcasts um, at Locked On Flames as well, free ninety nine. And hang out with us on Twitter at Jess Belmasto, at Nick Zeraris, and lo underscore Flames Pod. And then tomorrow, I am here. We're gonna do some Wranglers talk tomorrow. Uh, So it'll be a nice check in on the farm and not the farm that Daryl Sutter will probably have an extended vacation at this summer because there will not be two rounds of postseason hockey in his life.